welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. On the 2nd of September, 2008, a group of Australia's Special Forces soldiers were patrolling in Afghanistan, uh, where they were ambushed by a much larger contingent of Taliban fighters. And the attack began with sustained uh, machine gun and rocket-propelled grenade fire, uh, and it caused several casualties. A young Australian named Mark Donaldson uh, was there as a soldier, of course, and he saw that some of those injured were still under fire and would be killed completely if they couldn't be rescued. So he moved out into the open field, deliberately made himself the target which drew the enemy fire and allowed for these injured soldiers to be moved to cover. He did it not just once, but several times. Keep going out, going out to draw away the attention and machine gun fire. The patrol then had to try and withdraw. So they began to move, um, but because of the high number of wounded personnel, they all filled up the positions in the support vehicles And so a number of soldiers, including Trooper Donaldson, had to try and make their way on foot, just near the vehicles, but still under fire. They moved back. The battle was still raging on around them. And while they were withdrawing, Trooper Donaldson noticed that a coalition Afghan interpreter, who was part of their patrol, had been left lying on the ground, wounded, and hadn't been loaded into the vehicles. So he immediately ran... 80 metres over open ground between their convoy and the interpreter stuck out in the open. Again, under heavy fire, he got the guy, he picked him up and he carried him back to safety um, where he administered first aid and then got him sorted. Then he rejoined the patrol and continued to engage the enemy and fought for another two hours. Finally, after two hours of fighting, the patrol was able to break free from the ambush. Trooper Donaldson was subsequently awarded the Victoria Cross, Australia's highest military honour. And his official citation includes this sentence. With complete disregard to his own safety, on his own initiative and alone, Trooper Donaldson ran back 80 metres across exposed ground to rescue the interpreter. And, of course, when asked about the incident, what did Trooper Mark Donaldson say? Did he say, I'm a hero? (laughs) He said, I'm a soldier. I'm trained to fight. It's instinct. It's natural. I just saw him there. I went over and got him. That was it. (laughs) What a hero. The year later, he was also named Young Australian of the Year. Today, 12 years later, he still serves in the Army. What a humble hero. There's a Latin phrase 
that's been part of uh, military ethos for thousands of years. And it sums up Trooper Donaldson's attitude on that day. The phrase is Nemo Residio, and Martin will correct my pronunciation later, which means leave no one behind. And uh, all throughout military history, the Greeks, the Romans, they were known to stand by their fellow soldiers, to do all they can to rescue any who had fallen or had been captured by the enemy. And over the centuries, other armies that have gone to war have had the same conviction. And they've, uh, and this has produced you know, countless stories of bravery and solidarity and, and, and loyalty. On another battlefield, the same kind of thing goes on because Christian soldiers fight a spiritual war that is just as real on another dimension. And similarly, Christian soldiers appreciate those who stick by them, who are loyal, who support them, none more so than the Apostle Paul because he fought some pretty tough battles. And sadly, he had... Well, he had some people that, that didn't stick by him. Uh, one passage which I don't think we have up here on our screen today, but I'll read for you. Um, he had some people that fell away just when he needed them most. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he laments the loss of Demas. I don't know if that's why you don't meet many kids called Demas, but he said, Demas loved this world and he's deserted me. And he's gone to Thessalonica. I don't know what Demas was looking for in Thessalonica, but I suspect that whatever he found there, it just wasn't worth it. That, you know, he really would have been better off staying with and supporting the man of God. Because sadly, Demas has gone down in history as a guy who deserted the Apostle Paul. (laughs) But he could have been remembered as one who had fought alongside the Apostle Paul, one of the most amazing lives and ministries in human history. Fortunately, Paul had a few good men who did stick by him, including Luke, Timothy, Silas and Titus, who we're going to focus on today and over the next few weeks. So we're going to look at the letter that Paul wrote to Titus um, and study this over today and the next three weeks, so for this month. And uh, in, from next week when Ruth shares and a couple of, I think Byron and Ellen are preaching later in the month, they'll do an exegesis of scripture. In other words, verse by verse, chapter by chapter study of what is being said in that letter, that book that we have in the Bible, drawing out the truth and the application we can get for our lives. Today, I want to look at the life of Titus. Let's start by um, and seeing what we can learn from him. Uh, Let's look at Titus chapter 1, verse 1. We'll read the first few verses. And it says, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there and notice that Paul, and you see this in his letters, he knows his identity. I love this. He says, I'm a servant and an apostle. I'm a servant of God and I'm an apostle of Jesus. So I just love the fact that he's not promoting his position in society. He had, he, had, he had had some status as a Bible teacher, Old Testament expert, Jewish Pharisee, uh, but he doesn't align with that old identity. He's now just a servant. That's his main gig. He's happy to be called a servant. He's, he's not you know, promoting himself as 
someone high up in society, even though he could have. Uh, and of course, an apostle, well, that might sound rather grand these days, apostle, but really just was a Greek word for a messenger, someone who was sent. Just And, and of course, Christian New Testament Bible language has, has, has given it that, that, that Christian title and it's a it's a ministry gift to the church one of the fivefold ministry gifts but he's really at the time just saying well I'm I'm just a servant and I'm just sent and I think isn't that cool because for each one of us we should all be able to have servant number one and what is it number two I'm sure we've got more than just one role in life but not so necessarily grand in the eyes of the world and society but important before God I'm a servant and I'm a mother. I'm a servant, I'm a minister out into the community. I'm a servant and I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a servant, I'm an evangelist. I'm a servant, I'm a teacher. I'm a servant and a, you know, and uh, I think what a cool identity that he's found in Jesus. Um, Anyway, Ruth will unpack more next week in this chapter of what those verses say. Let's just read through to verse 4 and then I'll pick up something. He says, As I'm a servant of God, apostle of Jesus, to further the faith of God's elect, their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me, by the command of God our Saviour. All that to say I'm writing to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. You see that? Titus, my true son in the faith. Isn't that cool? So there's an affiliation and an affection between Paul and Titus. So let's look at this guy, Titus, and see what we can learn from him. And we, all we know about Titus is from the New Testament. So we'll do a little bit of a biographical history search and then maybe a bit of geography as well. Um, I would have said turn in your Bible to your maps at the back a few years ago when we start talking about different places that Paul visited on his missionary journeys. But I think Kath will help us out with a picture up here because these days, you know, not many paper Bibles with... Maps at the back, you'll be on your iPhone and the next thing you'll... Oh, there it is. Good. Um, so Paul... Sorry, Titus was a Greek Gentile, in other words, a non-Jewish person who was born again through Paul's uh, first missionary journey somewhere in Greece. You can see on the map there. We don't know exactly where Titus came from, but somewhere in Greece. He joined, he joined uh, Paul and Barnabas. He travelled with them uh, to Antioch, which you can see way over on the far right. Um, and, uh, and then he went on to Jerusalem. Is Jerusalem on the map? Yes, way down on the far right. So we've squeezed that in as well, right? Uh, and there, the elders of the church had a very important meeting known as the Jerusalem Council. This was a groundbreaking moment for the early church because they had to discuss uh, and decide on uh, this massive each issue which would really affect the history of the, the future history of the church. Um, 
And the question was, would they, as some people were proposing, uh, circle the wagons around Jewish culture, around the Jewish people, and say, well, Jesus was Jewish, we are Jewish, and he's come to fulfill the Old Testament, but still, we're chosen, we're God's chosen people, and it's really just for the Jews. And uh, some people were really pushing that and promoting that. Uh, and along that, we'll say, well, we've got to keep following all the rules and regulations of the Old Testament. As opposed to this radical idea that they would actually open up to the non-Jews, the Gentiles of the more wider known world and accept them as brothers and sisters, even if they didn't follow Jewish customs, even if they were not circumcised or follow all these regulations from Jewish law. This is a big issue. And uh, so that was in AD 50, roughly. And you read about it in Acts 15. And there we read that Peter gets up and he shares his heart as a Jew, but also realising that, hang on, the gospel's for everyone. Guys, I've been with Jesus. I knew his heart. And I had this experience. And you read about that in Acts 10, you know, where uh, he's shown through a vision that God wants everyone to be able to come to Christ and receive salvation, have a relationship with God through Jesus. And, um, uh, and then, of course, Paul and Barnabas report uh, all these signs and wonders that they'd seen God do on their journey out into the Gentile world. Uh, and so it's also likely that Titus played an important part there because he's this, Jewish, he's this Gentile believer that Paul and Barnabas have brought along and they're probably, we don't see this in Scripture, but we know him being there would have been a great example of, well, here's a guy who's probably not been circumcised. He's still a Gentile, but he's a follower of Jesus and he's, you know, full on for God. And, um, and that would have helped the Jewish Christians. Some of them would not have met any or many non-Jewish people of God, followers of Jesus. And yet they're meeting this guy and hopefully it would have helped them get their head around the idea that God, you know, has this great plan of salvation for everybody, uh, not just for the chosen nation of Israel. And that's exactly what was decided, praise the Lord. And they said, all right, let's make it clear that everyone can join the church. And, uh, and most people with their heads screwed on ever since uh, have said yes to everybody. The doors are open to Anybody and everybody, all shapes, sizes, colours, creeds, you're welcome to come into the house of God. God loves you. He sits on a throne of grace. Of course, as we move forward in discipleship, when we submit to God and surrender to God, well, the Holy Spirit often speaks to us about our lifestyle and our choices and our sin that needs to be addressed. So as Craig Stevens was preaching so brilliantly last week, we live a life of repentance not just one time, not just to be born again, but we live a life open to God to continually change and adapt to his ways and deal with our stuff and our sin, yeah? And so uh, it's not just grace and that's it. Grace gets us in the door. Grace keeps us on track with God. But submission and hum humility helps us grow in God, become more Christ-like, become good disciples. And that's another subject. Anyway, so uh, Titus... Um, uh, is there and then we notice that Titus travels with Paul he goes to Ephesus you can see that major centre major church there they went on to Corinth um, or, sorry at least uh, Titus went on to Corinth because he delivered a letter from Paul to the Corinthians and we know that as 1 Corinthians in our Bible 
Um, and he stayed in Corinth for a while. He served God there. And uh, we know this because in 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul says, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. So he's with the Corinthians. Then later, Paul's third missionary journey, which is sort of like mid-50s, 53, 56-ish AD, uh, Paul writes and shows his appreciation for Titus when he, he, uh, he tried to connect up with him. And he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Have we got that verse up there? Verse 12, it says, uh, I went to Troas to preach the gospel. I found that the Lord had opened a door for me there. But look, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. See, so there's... Paul's, Paul did life with others. You know, Paul's the great apostle, but he was smart enough not to be isolated. You know, Jesus surrounded himself with a few good men. Jesus had the disciples and then others. You know, God works through people. It's, it's always, you know, we, we're always called to work alongside and walk alongside people. And Paul's no different. And he wanted to be with Titus. He needed Titus with him. So Paul moved on to Macedonia. Um, which again, back on the map, you can see uh, they got Macedonia as a, yeah, that's a, a region, right? Um, and uh, there he did get to meet Titus and he got a report from him from, from, the, from Corinth where Titus had been because it says in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God... Don't you love that in Scripture? All the hassles and life, but God, but God, who comforts the downcast, comfort us, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. So again, Paul appreciates Titus, benefits from Titus. Paul notes uh, also, when you read on in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he notices how Titus had a real heart for the people that he was called to because he had to minister and lead the church there in Corinth. Because uh, in 2 Corinthians 8.16, Paul says, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with, with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And then again in the same chapter, verse 23, as for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honour to Christ. So again, Paul, he didn't do it all on his own. We all know about the Apostle Paul. You know, he's the famous Christian of the first century. But his success was partly based on the people around him. He needed, you know, the support acts, the supporters, and we all need that. Whatever you're succeeding in life, it'll be because you've got people that you're smart enough to have with you and humble enough to learn from and glean from and ask for prayer support. And Hudson gave the blokes a great presentation on how we identify different parts of our life that sometimes we have a blind spot and we need to have others to help us to see where we can improve and grow. And Paul would have had that. Um, so then we go on a few more years later, Titus accompanied Paul to Crete. And again on the map, you can see the island of Crete there. Thank you, Kath. 
um, where he stayed behind to build the church and he appointed elders there. Um, he had others take over the ministry so he could again join Paul uh, in Nicopolis over in Western Greece, um, probably around the, the TH area of the word Thessalonica up there. It's not, uh, it's not listed um, and we read that in, in actually the book of Titus that we know he went there. And then the last mention of Titus, this is all we know for sure, is actually in Paul's last letter that he wrote not long before he died. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And Titus had been with Paul in Rome where he wrote this in his final imprisonment. But then Titus was called to the region of Dalmatia, which is probably a little further north on that map from Macedonia, in today up around Croatia or Serbia. And Paul writes that. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, and he's writing to Timothy, right, who is another son of the faith, and he says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Oh, and has gone to Thessalonica, like we mentioned. And Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And that's all we know for sure about Titus. Legend has it that he returned to Crete where he served God and the church and preached there till he died. But they don't know the details of his death. So what can we learn from Titus when we glean and learn from all these verses that refer to him? I reckon there's at least three things that I want to mention. The first one is that Titus was brave because he was a Gentile who became a Christian. And that in itself was going to cause some ripples and some opposition because this crazy new faith, this Jesus character that people are talking about for a, a person that was a, a pagan perhaps, a non-Christian, non-Jewish person, nothing, no knowledge of the Bible, or the, you know, it would have been a radical step and that would have caused some issues. But also he caused issue with the strict Jewish believers who ended up becoming heretical. They were known as Judaizers and these are the ones that were Jews that said, all right, let's follow Jesus, but only if you're Jewish or if you'll adopt all the Jewish laws. And you read in the book of Galatians and other parts of the New Testament, Paul and others were warning against these guys because that was heretical. That was not following the open grace for the gospel that God wanted everyone to have. And so he would have come up against those guys saying, hey, you don't belong here. You haven't been circumcised. You're not Jewish. You're not following all our laws. Uh, and so he was quite brave to be a follower of Jesus at that time. And that was a good example for others. One of the earliest possible examples, forging a new trail to Jesus, cross-cultural. And you know, for us in the 21st century, Christians are going to need to be more and more brave and bold to follow Jesus because we've got to stand up to some very strong anti-God societal values. There's, some, there's, a, there's a spirit of antichrist that's always been in the world and it rises up when you read human history at different times and there is some antichrist sentiment that gets a lot of airplay and stirs people beyond their own logic sometimes to having a go at God and His people and His church and His ways. And so we are neither going to be brave like Titus was to say, well, I'm a believer. 
and I'm not believing in nothing else but the Bible and God and I'm following Jesus and this is my conviction and, uh, and I might cop some flack for it but I'm not shaking and changing. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel as Paul says. Romans 1, is it verse 17? I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation. So if you're gonna hack, if you're gonna you know get onto something, come on, you know some people aren't ashamed of some things, but it's like, well, if you're not gonna be ashamed of something, you know, if you're gonna stand up for something, make it count. Come on, you know, make it something that is is really important. There's nothing more important than the gospel, the good news. It's the one thing that's gonna take people off into eternity. I mean, you can be James Bond, but you're not gonna last forever on this earth. Sean Connery, as you know, just passed away last night. What a, what a long, illustrious life and career he had. But I just, I hope, I don't know if he went to the Church of Scotland as a kid and, you know, got the gospel. I'd like to think that he had some knowledge of Jesus and that's all that counts in the long term. And of course, it'd be nice to hear him do a few James Bond impersonations for us in heaven. But that's, you know, whatever you do on earth, it's only, come on, you know what I'm saying? It's temporal and, uh, and what goes on to eternity is based on how brave people are, like Titus, on their faith in Jesus and maybe standing up against a, the, some pushback that might come to say, well, that's what the Bible says. I'm sorry if, it's not, sorry if it's not PC. That's what I believe. That's what God says. That's what I'm following. Second thing about Titus was that he was really a committed servant of God. He's willing to serve. He'd go wherever God sent him because you follow through the Scriptures we read that he was really going where the Lord was leading him to help plant and pastor churches at that time. So he was giving himself to the work of God and to the people. Um, I think, did I read this one? 2 Corinthians 8.16, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you. So he had, a, he had a heart to serve God. Not so fussed, like I said about Paul, about his title or his position, but you sense that he was really just saying, God, I'll, I'll just do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you send me. <laughs> and I, I, I read that and I think, all right, I need to ask myself, am I willing to lay it all down to serve God? Would I give up? Everything, would you go wherever he calls you? Would you sacrifice a nice, comfortable life to follow Jesus wherever he leads? Because for many people, for many generations, not everyone, but for a long time, that, that meant uh, heading off to foreign lands as a missionary where people had not heard the gospel and making a big sacrifice, going to some very tough situations. Um, but that's less common these days because most countries have a strong Indigenous church, even in our own lifetime, even in our my own ministry in Thailand. Not that I was ever a full-time missionary there, but I've been going there for decades and I've seen the church from the early days when we started going there uh, in the... Oh, you know, 90s, just to see the growth of the church, the strength of the church. And in a lot of countries, the foreign missionary idea, the Western coming with, Westerner coming with the Bible, it's not as important, not as necessary because they've got the Bible in their own language and Bible schools and their own, you know, network of ch- thriving churches. Um, but the spirit 
is the same for us to be willing to surrender and submit yeah, to God's ways. I love what Hudson said, you know, to be ready, to be trained, not just passive, but to be ready to go. And that go may be just next door to help out our neighbour, just to go across the floor to another workstation where someone at work, you sense is troubled about something and you offer to talk to them over lunch or pray for them or share your faith with them or invite them to church. Just cross over that little awkward, slight social, you know, Craig Stevens, gifted evangelist, when I spoke to him uh, before the radio program on Friday and I was just saying thank you because we loved his ministry and I said, oh, you're great, you know, you you know, do a great job as an evangelist. And he said, yeah, isn't it interesting, the enemy, the devil has really um, got a lot of Christians under this impression that people don't ever want to talk about Jesus, that they don't want to talk about their faith. And he just crosses over that all the time and is always aware that people are not put out. You know, if you offer to pray for someone, Linda does this all the time. Linda's out there praying, offering to pray for people. She says, no one ever says no. Oh, occasionally, occasionally. But most of the time, people are like, oh, tell me about your faith. Okay, fine. But the devil wants us to think, ah, people don't want to talk about, what do they say, you know, politics and religion. And I mean, you know, we need to just be bold, yeah, and uh, and willing and ready, as Hudson said, uh, just to, to serve the Lord, yeah, be servants of God. What a great identity. They say, I'm a son and a servant. Of the Lord, and thirdly, uh, Titus was very faithful and loyal as a friend and a co-worker to Paul, because every single time he's mentioned, and it's quite a few times in Paul's letters, it's always positive, and it expresses Paul's appreciation and gratitude for having this guy who will stand by him, a man who who helped him, who supported him who when the tough got, what, what, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Yeah, well, I've found when the going gets tough, some people take off. Yeah, the not so tough get going that way. Oh, I thought you, no, okay, fine. See ya, bye. Anyone, anyone, you know? Oh, but praise God for a few good men. You know, I've had that experience. Don't get me started. Yeah, um, but you know, hey, I've been blessed to have some who stay and support rather than take off just because people aren't perfect or things aren't all, you know, all the ducks aren't lined up in a row or things get a little uncomfortable. And Paul had the same thing and it's fascinating. He writes about it. He's happy to, you know, throw him under the bus, so to speak. He calls a spade a spade, doesn't he? Say, oh, Demas, loser. So, okay, well, flip. I just think, God, I don't want to go down in history as Demas the loser. You know, I want to be Titus, the one that stuck around. And uh, Paul shows that appreciation because he needed it. And, uh, and, and of course, Titus even gets a letter addressed to him in the canon of Scripture. That's pretty cool. Um, and so the life of Titus reminds me that the call to ministry is a call to people. You know, my ministry, God, me, I'm doing this. God's called me. How many times, how many times have I heard people say, God says this? And I think, no, he hasn't. Because God speaks to other people. We have the mind of Christ collectively. And I don't say that. I'm a pastor and I've known the Lord for a while, but you won't hear me say God's spoken. And ah, 
You know, no, no, if he hasn't, I'll have other people that agree. And if they don't, then I'll go back and question, well, maybe that wasn't God. Because I don't have the mind to cross on my own, but we do. And so, you know, I just think we need each other to smack us into shape sometimes and help us find, figuratively speaking, right? Don't physically take it. But you know what I mean? To uh, iron sharpening iron. It's friction, but it's good because it gets that knife edge sharp. That axe is sharpened to do the work. And, uh, and Paul had this with Titus, who was able to stand with him uh, and, you know, to, sometimes we are called to serve like Titus did, to support someone else's ministry in a, in a, in a backseat kind of role. Maybe it's not all about us and it's not as prominent as we'd like to be. There may be some spokesperson or some main leader for some ministry and our role is really just a supportive role and that's still important. And there would have been others, you know, perhaps we'll get to heaven and we'll meet people uh, who didn't even get into the in, in, the, in the Bible. But Paul will say, oh, come on, I want you to meet Thaddeus here. Thaddeus, who, which one? Not Thaddeus. No, 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 not Thaddeus. No, no. You know, and, and then he starts raving about this guy who built the church up in some random place out in the middle of Whoop Whoop, you know, and, and we don't read about it in Scripture, but Paul then, you know, what I'm saying, there's a lot of great people who will never be famous great in the kingdom of God who may not be recognised and, and we are, you know, sowing seeds for long term when we serve God. We're building and storing up treasure in heaven, not worried about treasure on earth. And so um, we would all like to have a Titus, I think, in our life to stand by us in the tough times, to be loyal and faithful. But of course, the best way for that to happen is to be a Titus to be loyal and reliable and forgiving and supportive as a friend and a brother and a sister in the Lord. Amen? And so, come on, let's learn from Titus to be brave, to be committed, and to be faithful alongside others. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you for all that we can learn from Scripture. And we uh, think of people like Titus that we... We glean from, we thank you for the model, the example that he left and set for us to be so full on for you, to be brave and bold with his faith, to be a good, committed, surrendered servant for the ministry, the mission that you gave him, and also to be a loyal, supportive, trustworthy brother. Lord God, help us to do that. Help us to keep walking alongside our brothers and sisters, serving, supporting, helping, lifting them up, encouraging. Help us, Lord God. Stir within us, Spirit of God, passion for living for You. That's what it's all about, living for Jesus. Surrendered to You and when we lose our life, that's when we find it. I just want you to think about that for a second. If you, every eye is closed, every head is bowed here, just for a moment. And if you're at home watching this, listening, just consider your own place before God. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. But the ball is now in our court as to how we respond. You know, you're not going to go to heaven just for being a nice person. You're not going to live your best life just because you rock up the church occasionally or read a Bible a bit or, you know, a personal relationship with God, your Father through Jesus 
that's what's on offer and it just requires our faith, our commitment to Him, our willingness to surrender our life and say, God, be my Lord and leader. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the way I've lived all by myself. I've, I've been independent. I've been rebellious, but now I'm coming back to You. Help me, forgive me, save me and help me to follow You. You can pray that kind of prayer just right now. Just give your life to Jesus, even as a recommitment. Make this a, a moment of, of starting all over again and being full on for Jesus, living for Him. It's the only way to go. And then, of course, if you're online, then you get along to a church, either this one or if you're further afield, find a church that's opened up for public meetings safely and uh, find fellowship and encouragement and grow as a disciple, getting a network of other relationships pointing you towards Jesus and your destiny. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' Name. Amen. hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.